the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. We're glad you've chosen to join us today. Our passion at His Life Ministries is to help believers know Him and show Him. So we keep it simple. It's just about Jesus. Our prayer is that the Holy Spirit will make His truth plain to you so you can walk in freedom and enjoy the life of union that God has designed for you to live. And now, here's Pastor Todd. Now stand with me as I read our text. Hebrews 7, verses 1 through 10. For this Melchizedek, king of Salem, priest of the Most High God, met Abraham as he returned from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him. And Abraham gave him a tenth of all the spoil. He is first of all, by the translation of his name, king of righteousness. And then he is also king of Salem, which means king of peace, without any record of father or mother, nor ancestral line, without any record of beginning of days, nor ending of life, death, But having been made like the Son of God, he remains a priest without interruption and without successor. Now pause and consider how great this man was to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of the spoils. It is true that those descendants of Levi who are charged with the priestly office are commanded in the law to collect tithes from the people, which means from their kinsmen, though these have descended from Abraham. But this person, Melchizedek, who is not from their Levitical ancestry, received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who possessed the promises of God. Yet... It is beyond all dispute that the lesser person is always blessed by the greater one. Furthermore, here in the Levitical priesthood, tithes are received by men who are subject to death. But in that case, concerning Melchizedek, they are received by the one of whom it is testified that he lives on perpetually. A person might even say that Levi... The father of the priestly tribe himself, who received tithes, paid tithe through Abraham, the father of all Israel and all who believe. For Levi was still in the loins, unborn of his forefather, Abraham, when Melchizedek met him, that is, Abraham. You may be seated. May God bless the reading of his word. So, Abram, this goes back to Genesis chapter 14. Abram is returning from battle, from destroying Kedor Olamir, 
Now, that's not an easy name to pronounce, and they probably just called him Ked, so I will too. Anyway, he and three other kings were decimated by Abraham and his army. Now, Ked was an Elamite king, and he had allied with three other kings and raided the cities around Jordan, including Sodom, and carried off most of their wealth and took many captives, and among these were Abraham's nephew, Lot. Abraham, who lived further up north in Hebron, got the word concerning his nephew and pursued Oked and his compadres and caught up with them. And when he caught them in Damascus, they fled behind, leaving behind all their spoils and all their captives. Well, that wasn't much of a win for them. At that point, Abraham loaded up the whole shebang and headed home. And on his way home, he meets up with Melchizedek. Melchizedek, who brought him bread and wine. And as the priest of the Most High God, he blesses Abram. He says, blessed, joyful, favored, be Abram by God Most High, creator and possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed, praised, and glorified be God Most High who gave his enemies into your hand. Abraham didn't know a whole lot about it. But Melchizedek comes forward, not with a word of perception or even understanding, but a word from God Most High. This blessing from this priest is being mediated unto Abraham from God himself. You are blessed, Abraham. You are blessed as the father You are blessed because you are glorified by all that is within you. You are blessed and praised. Blessed and praised be the glorified God Most High who has given your enemies into your hands. You see, Melchizedek knew why he won. Melchizedek knew why the others were defeated. You see... Abraham could have chased them with three guys or just him and his donkey. (laughs) And he would have won because he came in the name of the Lord. Well, he blesses him. Abraham leaves and they run into the king of Sodom, who was very happy with the outcome of all of it. And he says to Abraham, why don't you take all the spoils for yourself? Because, you know, he relates to Abraham the way he sees himself. What, What would he most want out of this deal? Right? And Abra- but Abraham had determined before the Lord that he would take none for himself. And that takes us to verse 2. Abraham gave him a tenth of all the spoil, that is, Melchizedek. He is, first of all, by translation, his name, king of righteousness, and then also king of Salem, which means king of peace. One teacher pointed out that the word for spoils there is a two-part word that means heap on top, which is to say he gave the very best of the spoils to Melchizedek. Now, it's very clear here that Abraham sees Melchizedek as a priest of the Most High God. He was moved of God to allow him to mediate between him and God and worship God through his giving. Now, I'm not endorsing tithing here as a valid system in the new covenant. It was part of the old covenant system, and frankly, it never applied to Gentiles. 
However, we are told to give unto the Lord through the church. It is worship, and it is needful, and it is not really discretionary in practice. Melchizedek is a king of righteousness, the king of peace. The order of that is very important because righteousness must come before peace can come. As he gave us his righteousness, as it was imparted to us by the new birth, by us becoming the new creation, we became righteous. We were clothed in his righteousness. As we became that, not only did we attain the righteousness of Christ, we attained a peace with God because of it. That means there is no disruption in your fellowship with God. You've heard people say you fall out of fellowship. Well, that's a lie. How can you fall out of fellowship with someone that you're intimately in union with? It isn't going to happen. If there is a lapse in fellowship, it's strictly from your perspective. It's you buying into the lies of the enemy. It's you pursuing other things than, other than God. Delighting in other things other than the things of God. First John 2 1 says, My little children, believers, dear ones, I'm writing you these things so that you will not sin and violate God's law. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate who will intercede for us with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous, the upright, the just one, who conforms to the Father's will in every way, purpose, thought, and action. That's Jesus acting as our high priest. Faithful is he who called you who will also do it. He is the one that puts desires in your heart. He has equipped you to be all that he has called you to be. He did not tell you to become anything. He told you to appropriate everything through Jesus Christ. Righteousness. Our righteousness. Given us. Clothed us. Clothed us with Christ's righteousness so that we might live in his peace. Now, peace is not something we have to gather from without. It's something we appropriate from within. Peace is part of who we are. Peace may not reign in your soul, but that is because you have not yet by faith appropriated it in the mind, will, and emotion. Peace is not something you feel. Peace is something that you believe. I have peace. I have peace with God. Therefore, I have peace with all creation. I have peace. I have peace with God who rules, who is sovereign over all my circumstances and situations, which means I have peace in all my situations and circumstances. Does it mean I feel peace all the time? Well, if that's the case for you, I want to know what you're taking. We don't feel peace all the time. In fact, it's not meant for you to feel peace all the time. It's meant for you to be provoked unto faith. It's meant for you to feel the hardships and the trials of life. In this world, you'll have trouble. It's meant for you to have trouble. Don't let anybody tell you differently. And why is that? 
so that it can provoke you into a higher plane of living. So that you can see the glory and deliverance of your God. So that you can live a supernatural life. The natural man can find ways to overcome his difficulties. The supernatural man recognizes he has a God that has overcome all difficulties. Here we have Jesus acting, as I said, as our high priest on our behalf. He is righteous and he is our righteousness. He is our peace. He is the peace that resides in us. Melchizedek is but a picture of the righteousness of Christ coming to believers and the peace that is in his reign. Verse 3, without any record of father or mother or ancestral line, without any record of beginning of days, birth, nor ending of life, death, but having been made like the Son of God, he remains a priest without interruption and without successor. Now the Amplified, as I have read it, takes that Greek and expands it to a place or defines it to a place to where you can understand. Because to read it without the explanation, you might be left thinking that this uh, Melchizedek is must have dropped from another planet. How did he get here? Where did he come from? What? How can he be eternal? Is he, is he an angel? No. He's a man, and we'll go further into that later. But he's a man without a record of father or mother. Which means that in the record of Genesis, there's no recorded genealogy. If you read Genesis, you know there's a few genealogies written in there, right? Well, there's no genealogy for Melchizedek. And in the Judaic system, everything was based on genealogy. Both for kings and priests. Every Aaronic priest was a priest because of his genealogy. And if you did not have the genealogy, you couldn't be a Levitical priest. If you did not have the right genealogy, they wouldn't even consider you. This is saying that there is a greater priesthood. A greater priesthood, superior to the Levitical priesthood. It encompasses all under the Most High God, not just the Jew. In Genesis, appearing without father or mother, without genealogy, having neither beginning of days nor end of life, but shown of God to be a type of Christ. In that context, Melchizedek abides forever as a high priest continually, a shadow, a picture of Christ. A Jewish priest would begin serving other priests at the age of 25 then at the age of 30, he would be able to operate independently as a priest. Then at the age of 50, he would retire. Sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> but that's the case. At 50, he would stop being a priest. Or he would operate as a priest in a different function. There was no such constraint with Melchizedek. Melchizedek was a man. And it's important. His humanity is an essential part of his role as a priest. Just as Jesus became a man before he became our high priest, so that he might represent us in the offering of his sacrifice, so it is essential to the office. God doesn't want a priest representing man who cannot come forward with that humanity as it is reconciled in him. Jesus is a high priest... The man 
the God-man is a high priest because he can relate to all that we've been through in his humanity. Not only that, he can relate to all that we are going through. He knows us. Without that, he would be distant. Melchizedek was not a priest because he descended from someone. Now, if he was eternal, he wouldn't be a type, would he? He would not be a picture. The verse said that he was made like the Son of God. That means in his likeness. Verse 4. Now pause and consider how great this man was to whom Abraham, the patriarch, gave a tenth of his spoils. Now pause and consider how great this man was to whom Abraham honored. The patriarch, the father of faith, honored God through this man as priest. Now, to the Hebrew, this was very powerful because of who Abraham was to them. It was also powerful to all who believed because we see God allowing this man to stand as Christ's representative before Abram and Abraham and honoring God through him. We see this man being designated by God to stand before Abraham as his representative. Priest means bridge builder. It means that he would build a bridge from him to God. You are priest. You know that? You are called to be his representative, presenting before every man the person of Christ. He calls you priests. It is true that those descendants of Levi who are charged with the priestly office are commanded in the law to collect tithes from the people, which means from their kinsmen, though these have descended from Abraham. The priest line, the line of Aaron, were descendants of Levi and were commanded commanded to collect tithes. They were compelled by law. There was no such commandment for Abraham. He recognized who Melchizedek was. And I believe because the Spirit of God, he was moved to give to Melchizedek. Remember, there was no law or institution from which Abraham might have derived a pattern or a custom. This came out of his relationship with God. He gave because he recognized giving as worship. He gave because he recognized that all that he had been given had been given by the hand of God. Therefore, it was his. He gave because he was humbling himself before God's representative. He gave with liberty. He gave with freedom. He didn't give because he was commanded to. He didn't give because he thought, you know, if I give, God will bless me and I'll have even more spoil. He didn't give because he thought that that was going to help him be successful. God will bless me and I'll have even more people and more businesses and everything. I have more goats than anybody if you want goats. He didn't give for that purpose. He didn't give for any other reason than the Spirit of God. God himself moved Abraham. Now, why would God do that? You think God's up there going, 
well, you know, the treasury's running a little bit dry. Heathen got way too much money. I'm going to get uh, Abraham to give me a portion of that, a good portion of that. Do you think that's what God thought? God doesn't have any use for that stuff. What was God's desire for Abraham? To bless him. What was God's desire for Abraham to know? That he was blessed. That's why he said, Abraham, you want to know my blessing? You want to experience a prosperity that cannot be held in the hand? You want to know a God who sustains you, who keeps you, who provides for you, who is faithful to you, who delivers you from your enemy? You want to know this God? Then give it up, Abraham. Don't hold on to it. You don't need it. I am the God who provides for you. Verse 6. But this person, Melchizedek, who is not from their Levitical ancestry, received tithes from Abraham and blessed him who possessed the promises of God. Melchizedek blesses Abraham. Now, we see in the record, we see Abraham blessing others, but this is really, I think, the only case we see Abraham being blessed by another. Why is that? Well, the greater always blesses the lesser. And Abraham had to see Melchizedek as the greater. Now, there's no record of Abraham and Melchizedek meeting up. They're really from two different parts of the country. And, and there's no record of Melchizedek making a regular trip back and forth across that pathway. But I believe that God brought Abraham and Melchizedek together. And he brought them together that Abraham might recognize the type. There was an anointing upon Melchizedek. You ever been around someone who was anointed? You ever been around somebody that you knew the Spirit of God was with them? Did you ever encounter somebody who was literally ministering truth to your being that was sent of God? Abraham didn't ask him for his pedigree. Abraham didn't spend a lot of time trying to figure out what this guy's about. I don't even see record where Abraham said, where in the heck did you come from? They were having a divine encounter orchestrated by God himself. Not planned by men. Now, when did that encounter begin? It began when Abram said, you know, Father, I don't go in my own name. I don't go in my own power. I don't go in the strengths of my army. I go forward in your name, Father, and each step that I take, I take, Father, at your consent, empowered by your will. I am your child, Father. All that I have is yours. By faith, I am trusting you. You and you alone are my God. That was quite a statement in that day when everybody had his own God. Abraham was surrounded by idolatry. And Melchizedek, Sodom on one side, Canaan on the other. How many churches do you think there were? God raised up a godly man in the midst of darkness, in the midst of idolatry, in the midst of pagan people. He raised up a, a type. 
On one side, he raised up the king of righteousness, the king of peace. And on the other side, the father of the faithful, all who believe. And he brings them together in this place. Do you ever think that your life is just fate, happen chance? Do you think that's how you live? Do you think that where you went today and what you experienced yesterday were just random things that you inclined to do? Listen, sheep, you have a God. He is ever about you, and he has ordered every step. Now, your participation is knowing the shepherd when he's guiding you. Eating from the pasture he places you in. Recognizing that no matter what you face, you have a God that is prepared, not just a snack, but a literal table before you. In the presence of your enemies, who are about to come against you, you are feasting with God. <laughs> How about that? Second Corinthians one twenty. For as many as are the promises of God in Christ, they are all answered, yes. So through him we say our amen to the glory of God. Not just yes, but so be it. Through Christ, he is our life. As many are the promises. Thank you for joining us for His Life Revealed with Pastor Todd Granger. This program is the radio ministry of His Life Fellowship in San Antonio, Texas. If you'd like to know more about us, visit us on the web at hislifeministries.org or on Facebook at His Life Fellowship. We would love to have you join us for worship. We meet on Saturdays at 5 p.m. at 1307 Blanco Woods at the corner of Blanco Road and Blanco Woods just inside Loop 1604. Also, if you would like to help support this ministry, you can send your tax-deductible donation to His Life Ministries, P.O. Box 1894, Bernie, Texas, 78006. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.